If you worry about what other people think, soon enough, you will be on the sidelines of your life. Welcome to the Millionaire Woman Show, where we'll be discussing leadership, business, human potential, inspiring you to live rich from the inside out. Unlock your creativity, stretch out of your comfort zone, break through your barriers, take inspired action, and achieve epic results. Now here's your host, three-time best-selling author, speaker, and certified executive coach, Deborah Kozowski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Millionaire Woman Show, where we bring you inspiring guests from around the globe that are here to educate, motivate, and inspire you to take action using principles of leadership, life, and business to help you live rich from the inside out. Today, I am super excited to have a very special guest who we've done work together in the past, and I'm excited to share her with you. Andrea Jansen is the founder and CEO of the Ambition Theory, a leadership coaching and diversity consulting company. She is passionate about developing people, setting goals, and getting results. She believes people are more capable than they let on. Her clients tell her that she has, her positive energy is contagious, a professional leadership coach that believes in abundance. She helps her clients to see the opportunities, feel ready to take action and make things happen. She offers her clients balanced perspective by linking them to the human side of business and to the bottom line. As a certified executive coach through Royal Roads University and an associated certified coach through the International Coach Federation, she has an MBA from Scholick School of Business at York University and a BBA from Wilfrid Laurier University. She spent 15 years managing P&Ls through progressive marketing positions and brands like Werther's Original, Absolute Vodka, and Canadian Tire. She is the host of the Diversity of at Work podcast, which I am have also been a part of, so I'm glad to have been on her show. Uh, we share uh, being on the Forbes Coaches Council as a contributor, and she is a top-rated speaker. Please welcome my friend and guest, Andrea Jansen, to the show. Deborah, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here today. Well, I know we're across time zones, and we're in a time, um, and we, we debated about whether we're going to bring up that COVID phrase. And um, we, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. We talk, we're going to talk about ambition. We're going to talk about diversity. We're going to talk about women in the workplace, and we may touch on how many of you may be experiencing a little bit of chaos in uh, the COVID world, that our new reality at present, but how you can navigate this change. So I'm really excited because Andrea and I are both certified coaches and we believe in positive psychology and change. We are here to help serve you in many, many ways of supporting you. But I'm ready to jump in because I was so excited because Andrea has a new journal that just came out. Um, she has an ambition theory, what I want to learn so much more about. So Andrea, let's jump in and talk about ambition. What does it mean? What's your theory? And why do you find individuals are not as ambitious as what we think that they maybe would be? So that is a really great question. So ambition in the dictionary, the definition is the desire to achieve something that typically requires determination and hard work. 
And where people get stuck is that they don't know what that something is. They don't know what ambition means to them. So all the hard work is not worth it. So when you think about a lot of times in our society today, we think about ambition as climbing the corporate ladder or getting that next promotion or driving a certain kind of car or making a certain amount of money. And those are really external motivators. And a lot of times people get stuck also on the corporate organizational structure of where they are at right now. So for example, someone might be an accounting coordinator and they're like, well, my ambition is to be the accounting manager or someone's a marketing director. And they're like, well, my ambition is to be the chief marketing officer. And it really limits you to other people's expectations. But the truth is, is ambition is really personal and it's internal. So it's that desire to achieve something that is so important to you that lights your fire, that gets you up in the morning. And we don't talk about it that way in our society today. But the thing is, once you figure out what that thing is, that's going to get you excited, it's going to get you motivated, that's going to make all that hard work worth it. That's when ambition becomes beautiful. So gone are the days of the just the carrot and the stick. Because when you throw in an ambition, it ambition to me doesn't say, well, if they give me more money, I'm going to go after that. Yeah, it's like, it's absolutely, it's like something that's even bigger than you. So it's like things that are the most important for you that makes you get up in the morning, want to contribute and want to strive for something. So one of the things that I think about, because it is so personal when people have, and, and I love talking about this and I know you're going to dive into this with me is that when people get an idea or they have that feel that they have this calling to go after something that they are ambitious and passionate about, we'll start seeing that not everybody has that same ambition. And that's where that mindset of abundance, like we talked about in your bio, is so key for people to see. So tell us a little bit more about that. About abundance? Abundance, and also that each individual, their own calling, so it's not like we're in competition to find out, you know, competing for the same ambition. Yeah. So absolutely. Because it's so personal, because it's like, I wonder, can we actually do a quick exercise, Deborah? And yeah, Deborah, let's, let's do it. Because then I would love it for people to hear the questions that you need to ask yourself. So these are questions that are from the ambitious everyday journal. So this is based on the coaching process that I take every single one of my clients through because um, it's all grounded in ambition. So Deborah, this is what you need to do. So for people, if they want to figure out what that is, and then I'll explain how it shows up in the workplace and how, what it means for an abundance mindset and how you can see ambition as something beautiful that everybody can have. So I want you to tell me, Deborah, about a time when you were thriving professionally, you loved what you were doing, you were confident, you were like, I can't wait to go to work. This is amazing. Tell me. So when I think about my business and what that looks like, it would be when I did my first TED Talk. So doing that was one of the most amazing feelings to be able to walk on stage and share a personal story that could translate into people letting go of the how, only going with why they know they needed to do something and to watch their faces, um, their expression on their faces change as I shared the story and for them to get that 
All I need to do is trust and believe and really um, step into who they are. Okay, so I'm curious. I'm going to ask you some more questions because I'm a leadership coach. Um, was it about the showcase, the fact that it was a big production and it was a big deal? It was not about the showcase, although becoming a TEDx speaker was a phenomenal feeling. Absolutely. The process, um, I was due to do my second uh, TEDx talk here recently, and due to COVID, it has been postponed. But each experience has been different. So it was more about the journey and sharing the message than it actually was about standing on the red carpet. Okay, so that message, so I watched your TED Talk and it was pretty awesome. Is it, and I know it was about you um, bringing Christmas presents to kids that normally wouldn't get them. So was it more about serving others? Was that what was like really motivating you to do this? Absolutely. Absolutely. So about service to others. Mm -hmm. And I think because you talked about the big TED talk, and I know you like to say it's not about being on the stage, but I do think you like to have that big impact because the story that you shared in the TED talk talked about, you just started with one school and then they said, we have hundreds of kids and then it's just grown and grown and grown and grown. So I think that big impact is really important to you. It is. And you know what? Someone explained this to me um, a few months ago. And they were saying, Deb, it's about, you know, when you're, you're on the carpet or when you're on a stage sharing, because, you know, we both, you and I both love speaking on stages to share our message. What it truly is, is mentorship in the spotlight. Okay. So that's what drives your ambition. It's just like mentorship in the spotlight. Yeah. So you will wake up. So I know it is, you said it's the COVID-19 pandemic right now. You've been showing up in the healthcare industry, taking calls and you're, it's the night for me. It's kind of dinner time for you. You're still making this podcast yeah. um, because that's what it is. It's like sharing that message with everybody else. Yeah. So and actually I hop on for a Facebook live just to check in to see what people are doing, but there's nothing that excites me more than recording a podcast, writing an article, um, doing a Facebook book live, writing a next book, those are the things that, you know, going on a stage, it is like breathing to me. It gets me so excited. So let's break it down to the words. So three, two words that describe that. Say it again. Oh, mentorship in the spotlight. So it's mentorship in the spotlight. So that yeah. is what drives your ambition. So you will stay up late. You will work the extra hours to make that happen. Absolutely. Okay. So now I want to take it back to your question. So. That is what drives your ambition. My ambition is driven by something different. And we work in the same industry. Yeah. <laughs> similar industry, but we can do different things and we can both be successful. And that is what abundance is all about. And you are about being that mentor in the spotlight. For me, actually, my ambition is really different. It's very, very personal. So mine is about adventure. I love adventure. I love trying new things. I love exploring. And so for me, when I speak on a stage, it's about that adventure. Yeah. And I love connecting with people. And it doesn't mean that for me, that I don't like to serve others because I do, I work in the service industry, but for me, yeah. when I wake up in the morning and I'm trying something new and I have a little adventure that makes the hard work worth it for me. Absolutely. So 
And that's why it can be for everybody because everybody is driven by something different. Mm -hmm. And that's why teamwork and organizations work because not everybody is going to be motivated to do every job, right? And you need people that are really motivated by process. You need people who want that mentorship in the spotlight because not everybody is going to be able to do what you do, Deborah, and want to do it all the time. Like you can push people to do that. You can push people to speak at that working companies, but Mm -hmm. if they're not driven by it, they're not going to want to keep doing it. They're not going to want to put in the work, the practice to get good at it. So that's really when you figure out what it is for you you can carve your own path. And so for everyone listening or viewing this, I, I want you to walk through those same questions that Andrea just did, but also don't hesitate to download a copy of her journal where you can get some of these exercises and you know document some of the things that she walks you through because it's very powerful. I see life as adventure, but often when I think about what I do, I tell people, if I have not made an impact, I, when I wake up in the morning, I think, whose life can I impact today? Do I like adventure? Absolutely. Everything to me is adventure. I'm willing to take risks, but I think about my impact every day. And my yeah. greatest regret in life would be not to have that impact. Because that's the top thing, right? So it's like yes. whittling it down to one or two things. And once you know what that thing is, then you, you incorporate that into your job every day. So For you, that impact is you're doing, you, you started that program with, for the kit, for, um, raising money, you've got car dealerships on board. You kind of brought all these people on board. Um, but in, to make it in the spotlight, like you could have done that behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and you would have had that impact, but for you sharing it with other people, inspiring other people, that is what kind of like lights the fire in your belly. So that is the cherry on top. So it makes it, I'm sure it was a grunt work pulling all of that off. Deborah. I cannot imagine. Well, initially it didn't end up being something that I thought would be a spotlight thing. The first year, you know, it was about just getting it done and then it continuously evolved. It morphed into its own thing. But what I realized, um, and part of the reason that it ended up being something that ended up being a Ted talk is that I'm reinforcing to people that if they have a bucket list, that they need to start fulfilling things on their bucket list because you don't know who it impacts. So for the people who were part of this shoebox event, you know, there's teachers, there's students, but the volunteers, the people who come as our AKA elves, their lives also get transformed, but it also reinforces to them that they might have some dreams that they need to fulfill. And because I checked something off my list, I didn't realize how it would start checking things off other people's list or put a fire under them to go do something that's on their list. Because you like big things, right? It's like you want to, you want the impact and that's why what you're doing, it's fun and you enjoy it and you put in the work and that is the beauty of it. And the other thing, if people want to figure that out, if you can't think of professionally a time when you were thriving, because that happens to a lot of people, don't feel bad. Um, there's other questions that I can, that you can go through. So you just go back to school. Think about what you love doing at school. Think about what you love doing as a child, even think about things that you love in your personal life. So I have had quite a few people in the corporate world that have 
come to a workshop with mine and they can't think of a time where they were thriving professionally. Um, so we go personally. And one example is this one woman, she works very by herself. She works in like a very process driven role. And I asked her to, she's like, I'm not thriving at work. I haven't for a long time. I'm like, okay, what about personally? Like, when did you feel good? And she talked about this running group that she was in and that they were training for a half marathon together, that they were going away. And I asked her, so is it about that big goal? Is it about the training and the planning and that kind of process that gets you to that level of being able to run the half marathon? She's like, no, it's about the people and us getting together all the time. And the fact that we're going on this road trip together to run the race, that is what's driving my ambition. That's what's motivating me to do it. And for her, it's like, okay, you need community connection. That is what's important to you. That is what drives your ambition. So how can you bring that to work, to your process-driven work that you're working by yourself on your computer all day long? And her idea, just a tiny baby step I get people to start with, was, you know what? We have a conference call every Monday. I'm going to see if we can have it in person instead. And really just that little human connection, that one meeting is really sometimes all it takes to get that fulfillment because you don't need to be having it all day long, eight hours a day, even just 20 minutes a day of just filling your cup and doing something that brings you joy, that is going to drive your ambition. That will kind of fuel you to do all the other hard things. So Andrea, as, as I think about that, I think I'm going to coin a new phrase for you, for your business. Yes. <laughs> Anticipatory ambition explained so when i think about the anticipation when you get to do not have to do because obviously for this individual it was about building in having that ambition that she can anticipate of anticipating to have that community connection so what i've noticed about people when they feel like they're not thriving or they've lost a momentum is i'll ask them when have they had something that they look forward to that they're anticipating? It's like planning the vacation. Mm. We're planning a vacation. We're anticipating upcoming events. We put so much detail into our planning. So when I think about your ambition, I think about when you want to build ambition into your day, that that ambition will be anticipated because you know it's going to be there. You're going to be able to jump out of bed easier to thrive in the workplace or in your business because you're going to anticipate it. Absolutely. Well, it's you're going to work for it, right? <laughs> you're going to work for it because you're going to anticipate it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I think about ambition, I think about, because it's all intrinsic, right? Everything yeah. that we do to motivate us to get out of bed is intrinsic. Those external extrinsic things that are out there, um, they only last for so long. They dry up and they no longer get us excited after a certain point or we become complacent. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit, what led you to developing a journal on ambitious leadership? Um, so the journal came, actually, it was inspired by a client. So I have, it, ambition is like, everything I do is about ambition. So I have a group program called Reignite Your Ambition. And there's a workbook. I actually have the workbook here. I won't show it to you. Um, I have, there's a workbook where that people get in the mail. It's an online program, um, but there's a workbook they get in the mail that 
they write down their answers to the coaching questions through the eight weeks. And I met for coffee with one of the clients a couple months after she finished the program. And she said, Andrea, the workbook is my favorite thing. That is the best thing of the program. And I said, okay, tell me more. And she said, I just keep going back and I answer the questions from the the modules that you gave me through the coaching program. I just go back and I re-answer the questions and it's helping me to focus, helping me to take action. It's helping me to feel more confident. And I was like, oh my goodness, she's brilliant. She's turned it into a journal. Awesome. <laughs> so I was like, okay, if she's turned it into a journal, she's getting results. I should make a journal so that other people can get these results. And I also had been working with an artist go along with my business. And I thought, you know what, what if I illustrated, got this journal illustrated so that it could be really approachable and really fun and playful. So I collaborated with an artist and she illustrated the journal for me. So that, so it's really fun and it's really approachable because journaling is one of those things in January, everyone everyone buys ones or they maybe they get one in their stocking and they start on January 2nd writing down their big goals and on January 4th that journal's on the bookshelf never to be seen again so i wanted to create something that people could, would want to look forward to using but also something beautiful because goals are so important and i think having something nice to write them down in was something I wanted to offer people because so many people that I talk to, they're like, I have goals in my head. I've been thinking about all these things and they stay in their head. And there's this stat that I read, this university study that says you are 42% more likely to achieve your goals if you write them down. So just creating something for people like so approachable, so basic that they could get their goals out of their head and into the world. Because as soon as you see it on paper, as soon as you get it out of your head, the action step becomes clear. But when it's just in your head, you mm -hmm. never take action. And so I wanted to take this process. So I based it on the process that I take every single client through after that client inspired me to make this journal. I just took the coaching process, wrote it into a journal and got someone to illustrate it. And I can tell by the illustrations that it displays your zest for adventure. Oh, thank you. So tell, tell me and uh, our listeners and our viewers, why ambition? Why is it significant to you? Um, so that is a really good question. And that goes back to, oh man, 2017. So it was, I had first when I finished, we, you were my mentor coach in coaching school. So you did coaching school, I think a year before I did. And I'd started a business out of coaching school. Um, and that didn't go well. And I had my third child. So I had, a, and then I decided to walk away from that business. So I really had not a lot going on. I, I had a lot going on personally, not a lot going on professionally. And I got this magazine in the mail, Chatelaine magazine. It's a women's health and lifestyle recipe home organization magazine and it's weird because i wasn't a subscriber it was one of those free ones that they just send you hoping that you'll subscribe i didn't have a lot going on so i took it to the park my kids played the baby slept in the stroller and i read it and there was an article about women's ambition so they did this survey 
to a thousand Canadian women ages 35 to 45 and they asked them about ambition and work and I think it was 83% of these women said they were somewhat or not really ambitious and two-thirds of these women a thousand women in Canada in Canada would not take their boss's job even if it was offered to them wow and I read that's that. And for me, it was looking in the mirror. I was like, and I used to be very, I, well, I am very motivated. <laughs> you could probably tell. <laughs> um, I never thought I'd be that woman that was held back by the gender gap. And I read that stat and I was like, oh my goodness, this is happening to me. I don't feel like I have career prospects. I don't feel ambitious right now. And then I got curious. I know you're really curious too. And when I get curious, when you get curious, you write a book. Yeah. When I get curious, I look words up in the dictionary or I look it up on Wikipedia. And so I looked it up in the dictionary and that's when I realized like the definition of ambition is that desire to achieve something that requires determination and hard work. And I just got even more curious and started learning more. And then I realized that there was this ambition gap in the workplace, but it wasn't that women we're not ambition, ambitious, they actually work, but workplace culture is not set up today for women to thrive. And there is just these systemic barriers that exist. There's lots of unconscious bias. And for that reason, women rise to leadership at a slower rate than men. There's a lot more male leaders than there are women. Mm -hmm. And I just got curious and I just kept going. I put myself out there. I started, I, Actually, the first thing I did is I posted on LinkedIn about how shocked I was by these stats on women's ambition in Canada. Someone responded and asked me to do a workshop and I called it Reignite Your Ambition. And it just, the rest is history. So oh, that was such an awesome story. Because um, I remember when we were coaching together and um, one of the things that really strikes me is how things can show up in, in life as opportunity. And we don't always see those opportunities that came in front of us. And look what happened. You have I know, it's, funny. it's funny that you- Lands in your lap. <laughs> it's funny that you say that that's an opportunity because like looking back, I can see it now. At the time, I did not see it as an opportunity. Yes. Yeah. And you know what, maybe let's uh, inject a little bit of, um, and I know it's hard for people because uh, I'll probably be airing this in this COVID situation still going on. But when I, you know, a practitioner of change, just like you are, um, let's talk about how people can see right now as an opportunity. An opportunity, and we're not just going to blanket it just COVID, because there's other things that come up in life that kind of derail us, our businesses, our organizations. Maybe um, we lose someone significant in our workplace unexpectedly, or they come down with an illness. We know life happens. So not just to blanket it with COVID, because there is other things going on in the world that can derail us personally, can derail us as an organization. So let's talk about how we can start looking at that as an opportunity. That's a great topic for conversation. And I think it goes back to figuring out like really what ambition means to you. Like what is important to you? Because to be honest, 
we don't talk about this in our society in general. We don't talk about it at work. We don't do this. Like it is work actually to figure this out. Um, it's personal work, but in troubled times, kind of the best thing to do is like look internally and really figure out what is really, really important to me. What are my values? What do I care about? And then make decisions based on that because in hard situations, it is tough. It's hard to see opportunity, but just kind of taking that step back, looking internally, figuring out what is important to you. And one thing that I was challenged with last week, so in my own, so I do the Ambitious Everyday Journal every day. Um, and I was having trouble last week. I think it was about a week and a half ago. I was having trouble because schools were gonna be closed. Businesses were going to be slowing down. Um, I was worried a little bit about what was going to happen. Uh, and the page that said, what are you grateful for, came up in my journal. And I know that is the way for you to get to start before you even look for the opportunity, because I wasn't seeing the opportunities yet. Yeah, um, yeah. I forced myself to do that page. And on the first day, it was like, I am grateful for coffee. <laughs> like, that is where I was on that day. Um, and then it comes up every couple of days. And a couple of days later, I was like, wow, I'm so grateful that I had this networking event in Toronto that I organized. I was like, I'm so grateful we scheduled that for the beginning of March and not the end of March because I got to connect with some amazing people. It was a great opportunity to meet people. And I was just so grateful that. I had that experience and it happened in person and we're not trying to figure out what are we going to do about it then. And then the next step, I was like, I reached out to some friends to see if they could help me do something good in this crazy time. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I'm filming, not filming, I'm recording podcast episodes on how to thrive in difficult times. So I'm having a financial planner that stepped up to be interviewed. I have someone that talks about trust and leadership. I talked about, uh, I talked to a communications expert so that people can have tools to get by. And also for myself, I can talk to these people because those are things that I needed. And it just started with, I think being grateful for that cup of coffee was the first step yeah. in a tough time for me. I don't know. How do you and you know, I love that, Andrea, because it is what we focus on, right? And the more what we focus on, that's more of what we're going to get. So if we look for the opportunity, the opportunity, let's start with gratitude. Gratitude will shift any mood that you are in. Um, as long as you're consistent, the first day might be tough. Like you said, great. <laughs> I don't drink coffee, so it wouldn't be on my list. But um, knowing with my background in healthcare, the one of the first places I go is I'm grateful I woke up this morning hmm. because there's people who um, they have loved ones that didn't. I'm grateful that I'm able to breathe where I know that there's people struggling to breathe. Uh, I'm grateful that I have sight and I can see the beautiful world around me where others may have to use other senses because they don't have the gift of sight. Mm -hmm. You know, I am a tea drinker and London fog drinker. So if I ever have one of those in my hands, it's like coffee to me. It's a little piece of heaven that gives you that kickstart to the day. But when you start with those little things, they end up being quite big things. 
and they're great reminders that, you know, and it's not to downplay where you're at because people are like, well, at least I don't have that. You know, someone has it worse than me. That's not the projection I want to put out into the world because everyone has their story. Everyone has their struggle. Everyone has their successes. But what I consider a success is different than the next person, just like when we talk about an ambition and abundance. So when we're um, starting with gratitude is definitely the first place to start. So I'm glad you talked about that and really maintaining where our focus is going. I know um, we were talking before the interview that we could go look at the John Hopkins map of the global pandemic and we can see the rise of, you know, the cases. I and also on social media what people are projecting on social media I would caution you for how much time you spend digesting some of that material it's not that I don't want you to pay attention to it I especially for the empaths out there this is so hard on them um, because they absorb a lot of other people's energy um, but to really be mindful of it be mindful of the warnings, staying, staying at home, you know, not going out in public places if you don't need to, maintaining social distancing. All of this is really, really important. What I'm talking about is the negativity of, oh my gosh, I got to stay home. How about share with everybody your travel pics from previous parts because we know we're not going to be traveling for a little while. And I want to live through everybody else because... There's lots of places I'd like to see, but I know I won't be seeing them for a little while. Or sharing your tips for working in the workplace or remotely. You know, everybody could learn from some of those tools. What are some of the tools that you use, Andrea? For working from home? Yeah, to keep people uh, on pace, because I know there's a lot of people, this is new to them. Yes, totally. So I think for me, well, for me, actually, I talked to someone today that was, going to work and they're overwhelmed. They're, well, they're not going to work. They're actually working from home and they're just sitting, working on their computer for 10 hours a day. And the day just drags on and on and on. And what she realized is that she just missed every day when she went into the office, they had an in-person meeting. And because some people are actually still in the office, some people are from home, working from home. They don't have that anymore. So for her, it was about just connecting online with people at the same time that they used to. And sometimes it's just like the simple tweaks. And I think for working from home, the thing that people forget is yes, you can be on your computer, but that human connection, especially if you work in an office, like ideas happen at the coffee machine. Ideas happen when you walk by someone's cubicle and you say hi. And when you're working by yourself, yes, you're connected, you can access the files, but that human interaction and that human connection is sometimes missing. So being intentional on having that connection. And I know you and I were coaches and we talk on video all the time. We're really comfortable being on video on the computer. A lot of people aren't because they're just not used to it. So just being open to being on that video because seeing someone's face versus just hearing their voice, yeah. it makes a difference. So just remembering that people are human and in any way that you can use technology to keep that human connection going, I think that's the number one thing I would recommend. Yeah. Plus you get to read people's body language. You can mm. pick up on the energy that they're putting out. You know, we have people, you know, if they're feeling down, you can pick up on it. 
maybe dive into a conversation with them so that we know that people when they leave the workplace or maybe they're at home and they're you know being isolated from coming to work and they don't have a lot of contacts because not everybody has extended family where they live because we live all over the world is that we have that connection with people each day and one of the things when i think about when you're talking about the person who had the 10-hour day um let's talk a little bit about productivity mm -hmm. i get concerned when people tell me that they've worked a full 10 hours pretty straight because often what happens is, and I'm not saying that she didn't get things done, I'm not going there, but when people allot a certain amount of time to something, it's called Parkinson's law, is when they allot a certain amount of time, time expands to whatever you give it. Mm -hmm. So if people work in Pomodoro method or what I use is the marinara timer online, that you can time block, you time chunk. What's the marinara? <laughs> so the marinara timer, is an online timer you can set online and it also has the Pomodoro attached to it. So Pomodoro is generally 20 minutes, five minute break, 20 minutes, five minute break. And you do four chunks of those and then you take a larger break. Mm -hmm. The marinara timer allows you to set it based on your optimum time. So I can push myself to do lots in 20 minutes, but I know when I hit 20 minutes, I'm still going. I'm still good. Oh, so you need 40. So I, I set myself for 45 minutes straight okay. and then a 15 minute break. And I'll do about four of those. So those four chunk hours and then have a longer break of an hour that when I do that, because your time expands to what you allot, you're going to get more done than someone at an eight hour job. Mm -hmm. Four blocks. Because it's focus time. You know, often we have people getting distracted in the workplace, you know, somebody mm -hmm. coming by the cubicle or they just need to ask a question. Those are all still good things. And sometimes people have to have certain hours for that, depending on how many interruptions they get. But when you're working from home, I highly recommend either the Pomodoro or setting the marinara timer and letting yourself adjust what you learn about yourself. What is your ideal time of work? Because people say, well, why bother? What am I going to get done in 20 minutes? Well, if I used fitness for an example, and you and I both, you know, run and uh, work out. So if I told you how much weights or how much running can you get done in 20 minutes? If I only had 20 minutes, we'd still get a significant oh, totally. done and our heart rate would be up and we would be benefiting. Same thing goes if I needed to file for 20 minutes or read for 20 minutes or you know research for 20 minutes 20 minutes there's a lot that can get done in 20 minutes and people take it for granted so maybe in this podcast i'm going to challenge people to test out their time see if 20 minutes is for you maybe it's 45 like mine what, what do you think yours is andrea uh so it's interesting that you brought this up so i have been go i have like worked in the corporate for a long time. So I, my mind has been, it's been drilled in me one hour at a time. So and I tried the Pomodoro method last year. I didn't stick to it. Um, but I'm actually going to try it again tomorrow. It's funny. I was talking to someone right before this call. <laughs> See, <laughs> as an advocate, we're talking about working from home and he said the Pomodoro method. So I'm going to try it tomorrow. Yeah. I'm going to maybe try the marinara method to figure out what my, yeah. my time is. Cause for me, I think an hour is too long yeah. because I'm, I'm not actually, I don't actually finish a lot of things in an hour, but I think if I had that tight, tight time, it yeah. would be better. And right now, actually, I have an interesting schedule because my husband and I are both trying to work from home. 
with three small children <laughs> that are not good at entertaining themselves. And so what I've been doing is I'm a morning person. So I time it by my rhythm of the day. So I work from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. where I am at my best. And then my husband works from 9 to 12. I work from 12 to 2. And then he works from two to like four or five. And then if I need to meet in the evenings, I do. But my best time is the morning. So it's actually a great opportunity for me because normally I would wake up at five and my kids would be up by six. So I wouldn't have a lot of time by myself and I couldn't work on important things. Now it's opened up this time where I am at my best Mm -hmm. and I can focus on creative work, I can focus on the really, really important things. Yeah. So that's kind of how I've been using this as an opportunity. But what I also see is, you know, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit more with me is, and this is something I often talk about with people is that we have these to-do lists, these running to-do lists, Mm -hmm. but they don't put it in their calendar. And then they wonder why this list is getting long. They get frustrated so when you have a to-do list to make sure you're putting it in your, into your calendar where it works best. And from what I hear, you have these breaks of time, especially, you know, um, for women, I don't know if men have as much daddy guilt as what we have mommy guilt, um, is that the way you have it set up right now that you're working from five to nine, that you can jump in and spend some time with your kids knowing that, you know, we're not all, and I know that when I, when my kids were younger, I was like, Oh, I don't want them to be watching TV. I don't want them to be gaming Mm -hmm. and all these things so that we can jump in and do those other things to distract them from those other things that they might want to be doing when we, you don't get that little bit of guilt and shame in there. And, um, I think it's important for women to pay attention to that guilt, but remember where that's to challenge and be curious as to where that guilt and shame is coming from, because it is coming from judgment. Mm-hmm. So w- when we're thinking about that, it's just come to me as we're having our conversation. How does judgment affect ambition? Oh, <laughs> that is a loaded Because <laughs> I think actually the word ambition and the way that we use it in society today has all these preconceived notions attached to it like we think in our society ambitious me ambition means i want to make millions of dollars i want to be the ceo but it doesn't actually mean that it could mean you know what i want to be the best servant leader in my community i want to be the best volunteer chair of the board like serving others if that drives people ambition people's ambition they do that and there's space for everybody and so i think that judgment in ambition is all about money ambition is all about these external things is like 100% out there. I, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we talked a lot (laughs) um, during this episode and I may have to have you come back as we didn't even hit on diversity. We're having so much with this conversation on ambition. Um, But I want to have you share with people how they can stay in touch with you. So they can go to my website. It is brand new, ambitiontheory.ca. And they can also listen to my podcast. It is called Diversity at Work. And right now we have just launched season two. And it's a special season 
on thriving in difficult times. So there is going to be an episode every day for the first week and then weekly after that. That is fantastic. So I have two final questions that I'm going to ask you. What is one book that has really had an impact in the way you run your business or how you lead? Oh, that's a good question. So I do read a lot of business books and I would actually say from a marketing perspective, Expert Secrets by Russell Brunson was a really great book that taught me how to show up in my business and show up as a leader. Um, as an entrepreneur, that book was fascinating. Another book that I would recommend for people who are looking to kind of be more leaders at home, um, a book called Couple, Couples That Work by Jennifer Patriglieri. And she studied how successful couples, and it's not just heter heterosexual couples, all different kinds of couples, how they can succeed in life and in love. And that was a fascinating book for me to really understand how relationships at home affect how you lead in the workplace and how we can have great conversations with our partners to navigate it. Very, very powerful. So I'm going to get you to send me those titles and we're going to add it to this show notes um, and all the links to your social media as well. Um, also, the final question that I love to ask everyone is what does it mean to you to live rich from the inside out? I think for me, it's like following my ambition. And like I said, adventure is what drives my ambition. And so just looking for adventures every day. And so today, like in these times, like actually yesterday, there was a slush storm in the morning. And you know what? We needed a little adventure. So for me, it was just taking the kids out and going for a walk in the slush. And other times it's about planning a camping trip or planning a big trip. But for me, it's about like being true to myself and doing something that I love every day. And that is having a little tiny adventure all the time. So I love it. I love it. And I cannot wait um, until we actually meet in person. I know that time will not be that. I can't wait. We actually haven't met in person yet. I feel like I know you. I know. I know. So I can't wait for that day. And uh, it won't be an elbow bump. We'll actually get to hug each other. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to seeing you very, very soon. Amazing. Thank you for coming on the show, Andrea. Again, everyone, please get a hold of Andrea's ambitious leadership journal. It is going to help you become the leader that you want to be. But not only that, anticipating that ambition every time you wake up in the morning, knowing that you can create it. It's not something outside of you. It's something already within you. And Andrea can definitely help you with that further. So making sure that you go over to her website as well. And again, I'll have all the notes in the show notes of how you can stay contact with Andrea. Um, phenomenal guest. And I'm grateful to have met her years ago and be able to showcase her here on the Millionaire Woman Show. Um, I'd love for you to also go over to www.debrakazowski.com where you can download your three-part mini course. It is free. It's going to help make habits stick. And it's a video course where I walk you through developing habits that stick and really get you consistently focused on moving forward and making those goals happen as Andrea and I are both, you know, we're all about getting your results as coaches. 
and also to go over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, review, share this episode with other people so that they can get more ambitious, discover their ambition, and really thrive in uncertain times. So I'm your host again, Deborah Kozowski, with my guest, Andrea Jansen, with Ambition Theory. As Muhammad Gandhi said, be the change you wish to see in the world. And on behalf of Andrea and myself, take care and have a great day.